Hi, and welcome to the sixth episode of our podcast series addressing workplace sexual harassment, Let's Talk Respect at Work. I'm Ruth Rosedale, a partner in the Employee Relations and Safety Team based in Perth. And I'm Angela Weber, a partner in the Employee Relations and Safety Team in the Sydney office. And it's been a really big few weeks in the employment law space with both the Respect at Work and Secure Jobs Better Pay Bills becoming law. Also, just in time for these reforms, the Australian Human Rights Commission has released its findings from the fifth national survey on workplace sexual harassment. Yeah, there's been a lot happening, Ruth. The changes that came into law in the past few weeks will have huge implications for employers as they head into 2023. So there's a lot to talk about. But let's start with the AHRC survey. Can you talk us through some of the key findings? Absolutely, Ange. Look, this year, the report found that 19% of Australians experienced workplace sexual harassment in the last 12 months, and one third of Australians experienced it in the last five years. So thinking about these statistics, it's really important um, to reflect on the recently passed laws and what they're seeking to achieve in implementing the recommendations of the Respect at Work report, Mm -hmm. as well as the changes to the Fair Work Act to tackle workplace sexual harassment. Um, Interestingly, the industry where sexual harassment was found to be most prevalent was um, information media and telecommunications. And they had some pretty big stats where 64% of workers experienced sexual harassment in the last five years. Um, And that was followed up by arts and recreation services at about 44%. I actually think those statistics might be surprising to some people listening um, who might, you know, expect that the higher statistics would be in other industries that are perhaps, you know, resources and and more what would be traditionally known as sort of blue-collar industries. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I mean, even reading them for myself, I was I was quite surprised. And, you know, perhaps that's a silver lining for those in our Perth audience that there's been overall a, a positive change in the resources and mining industry um, and workers who experience sexual harassment. It really dropped from 40% in the 2018 report to 32% in this year's survey. So um, that's quite significant. And we're mm-hmm. hoping that that trend continues and particularly in light of the changes that are being proposed in connection with the WA Parliament's enough is enough report. Um, And I think the other really interesting statistic to talk about is that um, related to bystanders. So the survey found that only 35% of bystanders who witnessed or heard of an instance of sexual harassment actually took action. So it seems to me that there's still a lot of work to be done in that space around increasing awareness of sexual harassment and, and encouraging bystanders to speak up. Mm, I mean, I think those statistics really highlight you know, the, the prevalence that's of sexual harassment and how, you know, it is still occurring in, in, you know, unacceptably high numbers. So it really brings home how important and timely these legislative reforms are. Um, in light of that, let's turn to the Secure Jobs Better Pay Bill, which passed um, Parliament early this month. Ruth, could you talk us through the key reforms in terms of the, you know, those which affect the Respect at Work um, report? Sure, absolutely. So the Secure Jobs Better Pay amendments look at implementing recommendation 28 of the Respect at Work report, which basically that um, recommendation was that the Fair Work Act be amended to clarify that sexual harassment is expressly prohibited. And that's also designed to implement the government's recent commitment to ILO Convention number 190. That convention requires signatories to legislate broad prohibitions on workplace sexual harassment Um, as well as implementing a duty on employers to take positive steps to eliminate sexual harassment and discrimination from their workplaces. So with those two um, 
recommendations in mind or requirements in mind, uh, amongst a number of other reforms, the bill implements um, those commitments by legislating a broad prohibition on sexual harassment in connection with work. And it's supported by and expands the Commission's dispute resolution mechanisms relating to sexual harassment applications. I think a lot of people listening would be thinking, don't we already have prohibitions and laws in the Fair Work Act protecting employees from sexual harassment? Could you run us through how exactly the existing protections are expanded and what's new? Absolutely. I mean, there's a few ways um, that the protection has been expanded and why it's important. Firstly, firstly, the changes make it a lot easier, I think, for complainants to bring an application to the Fair Work Commission a few ways. So the first thing is that the prohibition applies extremely broadly to all workers. So picking up that language that we see in work health and safety legislation um, and conduct that occurs in connection to their work. And it's also broad enough to cover state system workers. So when you're thinking about who a worker might be, it'll be employees, contractors, apprentices, volunteers, um, even some work experience students. Um, it also uh, extends to people seeking to become workers. So for example, um, employee candidates or interviewees for a job role. Um, and critically, I think also it captures sexual harassment by third parties like customers or clients, provided that mm. it's in connection with work. Um, I think the other really important change is that um, applications can be made um, by you know, a person that has experienced this kind of conduct or um, a union entitled to represent that person. And um, applications to the Commission for breaches of this section can be made jointly by multiple persons, as well as um, unions on their behalf in comparison to a single individual. And basically this is intended to allow the Fair Work Commission to deal with multiple parties if it thinks it's appropriate to do so. And some examples of that might be where there's a common perpetrator um, of the conduct or a common work location where sexual harassment is occurring. And it's also designed to minimise re-traumatising um, the complainant, um, for example, by limiting the number of times they have to give um, evidence in, in proceedings. Yeah, okay. So there's clearly going to be um, more avenues for an employee to pursue um, a claim in relation to this type of conduct or have one pursued on their behalf. So it will be interesting to see if we sort of see a real um, increase in those types of matters in the new year. So once an application is made, perhaps you can talk through what the Commission can do to, um, you know, remedy, do, deal with the application. And there's two ways that the Fair Work Commission can respond. Um, it can the Commission can issue a stop sexual harassment order to the respondent. So listeners might be familiar with that. It's, it, it has been um, a feature of the legislation um, in recent times. And basically, um, these types of order um, requires a respondent to stop the complainant, uh, sorry, stop the conduct that the complainant's complaining of. And there's civil uh, penalties um, if that's breached. So um, as we touched on in episode two, this aligns with the focus in respect at work, shifting from sort of reactive responses to also trying to proactively prevent future se sexual harassment. Um, and then the second avenue is that the Fair Work Commission can also deal with the dispute um, and provide remedies to a complainant through private media mediation or conciliation. Um, and where um, those types of avenues fail to resolve the dispute, the complainant can seek um, arbitration um, with the party's consent or they can seek to apply to have the matter heard by the federal court. 
So quite broad ranging powers um, of the Fair Work Commission um, there. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Ruth. Um, so let's move on to the Respect at Work Bill. Um, as we discussed in episode one, this bill had some significant proposed reforms and would see another seven recommendations from the Respect at Work report implemented. Can you update listeners on how those reforms look now that the bill has passed into law? Sure, Ange. As we've previously discussed in this podcast, the Act now creates a positive duty on employers and PCBUs to eliminate sexual harassment, discrimination on the ground of person sex, hostile work environments and victimisation. So it's, it's, it's pretty broad ranging, this positive duty. Um, and it's also coupled with new investigative compliance and enforcement powers for the Australian Human Rights Commission to make sure employers are complying with this positive duty. Um, those don't come into effect though for um, another 12 months, so there's a bit of a grace period there. But these reforms really reflect on, you know, one of the major themes of the Respect at Work report, and that is an increased focus on encouraging employers to take active step, steps to proactively prevent sexual harassment. Yeah, and, and just while we're here, perhaps for listeners, a couple of other, just to round that out, developments that um, have been implemented by the Act. So the full suite of Commonwealth discrimination um, is amended to clarify that victimisation forms a basis for an unlawful discrimination claim. The minimum time frame um, before the H AHRC can exercise its discretion to terminate a claim has been extended. It used to be six months, it's going to now be, or it is now 24 months after the unlawful conduct occurs. And the rationale for that change is quite understandable, but it will inevitably, I think, um, create challenges for employers who are responding to a claim from someone who is potentially a former employee. Um, and there's, of course, the possibility that the matter hasn't been previously raised with the employer and so you know relevant witnesses and the person you know accused of the unlawful conduct may have left the business so potential sort of logistical and practical difficulties actually getting the evidence to to um, consider the claim after an extended period of time. I think finally it's also worth just noting that the the government was um, proposing um, an idea of cost neutrality um, and and People might have seen some publicity about those reforms um, in relation to these types of proceedings, but they have been parked for review down the track by the Attorney General. Thanks so much, and I mean, I think hearing all of those changes, um, you know, th that are commencing, it's really clear that the reforms are, are bringing into sharp focus employer obligations to eliminate sexual harassment in the workplace, and especially, um, you know, the onus of discharging their new positive duties. And I think looking forward to 2023 um, and thinking about the new year, um, it really is a timely opportunity for employers to start assessing their organisation and ensuring they're providing a safe work environment um, and a positive culture, that they're actively monitoring sexual harassment and providing adequate training for their workforces and, and looking at implementing um, or upgrading their robust systems and policies to prevent workplace sexual harassment. So that's a bit of a to-do list for 2023. Um, we've covered a lot today. Please feel free to reach out to a member of the employee relations and safety team here at KWM for assistance in understanding what we've talked about and, and responding to the reforms that we've discussed today and throughout the podcast series. We look forward to keeping you updated on this important topic and in the meantime, wishing you a good holiday season. Bye.